Welcome to another episode of the Digital Built Australia podcast, the podcast that unpacks the ways in which digital technologies and data insights can shape a highly productive and sustainable built environment. My name is Adam Beck, and along with my co-host, Gavin Cottrell, we'll use this podcast to share insights about the places, spaces, and assets that we shape, and the policymakers, practitioners, and researchers and innovators behind the work. So let's get to it. In this episode of the DBA podcast, Gavin talks to Dr. Sonia Zaharodini, who is working on the High Speed 2 rail project in the UK. HS2, as it's known, is one of the largest projects that continues to evolve. And Sonia has been working there for over seven years now, firstly as BIM strategy manager, then moving on to head of digital engineering and is currently chief information officer. She spent time as a BIM consultant at the Transporter of London, before that at Northumbria University in the BIM Academy. A great conversation about a big project that's evolving and has matured. We hope you enjoy it. So thank you very much for giving up some of your valuable time today. We're going to have a bit more of a people-focused discussion today um, around digital and tech. What do you do as a day job, just so the listeners can know you, uh, what, what's your main role at the moment, Sonia, please? So I've been acting as the interim CIO for HS2 uh, since March, April this year, so coming up to nine months now. Uh, but I have been with HS2 since 2015, so I've been around a long time. In my previous role, I, I headed up um, digital engineering functions, so largely focusing on the application of digital in the context of engineering and project delivery and um, an emphasis and focus on end state requirements and supporting our supply chain in ensuring that the use of digital engineering can be optimised. So... I think we were talking before that the, the term CIO has many different connotations and many different meanings. Digital and tech, data, uh, etc., uh, really sort of is a big focus of your role as well as politically and strategically as well. But what I'm keen to know from you is sort of where do you sort of see the digital and tech space going in the next five years? Obviously, your focus from a, from a rail perspective. You've talked a lot about digital engineering, obviously around digital twin use cases being for CapEx and OpEx now, but where do you sort of see the, the rail sector, let's say in, in the UK in the next five years from a, a digital and tech perspective? And to be honest, I think technology in general is moving faster than before. And that's it's it's been quite visible in the rail sector as well. It's starting to converge with every aspect of the built environment, whether it's design, construction, environmental aspects. I've seen a lot of emphasis and talk around Industry 4.0, Web 3.0, digital twins, metaverse. And these are all technologies that are here today, although they're not in everyday use. But I've definitely seen a shift in mindset in terms of shaking up the status quo, you know, boosting collaboration and completely redefining how we traditionally designed and built and operated um, construction projects. So that for me is almost the next chapter of what's going to become more visible in the rail sector. The challenge though, especially for large scale programs like HS2, is the cost of modelling or in some cases remodelling of legacy assets. And it's that upfront investment to adopt the right technology to create this kind of 
parallel virtual universe that represents the important aspects of your network to the business because you don't want to remodel everything and you don't want to collect data about everything. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. But a lot of the technologies that we talk about in terms of the future of rail and construction are, are already here and they've been adopted and utilised in other sectors. So do you think, like in such a massive project, not like what you're working, how do you manage that pace? Because new technologies are, are coming in, but you talked about existing, but how, how, how do you maintain that, that pace, but also ensuring that you're not always chasing your tail in, in terms of doing POCs and MVPs, et cetera, and delivering value? That Surely that's got to be a big challenge for you. It is. And it's so our approach has been very much, we need to be pragmatic and we need to be pragmatic through a business driven approach in terms of understanding the use cases and where and how technology can add value. So I'll give you an example around our digital twin program. We've been looking at other sectors, looking at lessons learned, looking at how other industries have adopted and implemented digital twins. Because ultimately the under, underlying principles are exactly the same. It's just scaling that up and applying it to a program like HS2 with this scale and complexity. Engaging with stakeholders, understanding the needs and creating a catalog of what, what are the different users? Because ultimately there isn't a single digital twin. A digital twin is a distributed network or it's a, an ecosystem of connected systems or, or connected mini digital twins. And understanding where we can get the most value as we progress and as we evolve through the design and construction project. So the use cases or the needs or the value add during the design stages of the program might be different to construction. And, and ultimately, as we are starting to prepare for testing and commissioning, again, the use cases will be completely different. So we've been very pragmatic in terms of what the digital twin would mean to different um, people at different life cycle stages. So you really talked a really good point around about people. Now, obviously, tech, data, digital is um, is a lot of focus on that that tech perspective. But people, and we typically hear a lot, it's the hardest thing. It's the it's the hardest thing to to to, to enable change within that. But let's focus a bit more on the customer perspective and something that typically doesn't necessarily get spoken a lot about in major capital or OPEX in terms of there's a lot of focus on around developing use cases around better delivery of assets or better operations of assets. What do you think in terms of like better services or better service delivery um, in terms of the opportunities for that? Is that something that you're focusing on as part of in, in your role? Is that a better customer focus on, in terms of around digital twin use cases as an example? Yes, yeah, certainly in my previous role, because I, I was heading up our digital twin program, less so in my new role. Obviously, it is a personal interest, but I'm not close enough to it as I used to be. But yes, we worked very closely with our infrastructure management colleagues to understand how digital twins coupled with predictive analytics, so you know, sophisticated levels of data analysis can enable earlier interventions in the event of a failure, as an example, but also to be able to simulate and scenario test events as they unfold so that we can understand how 
demand might change over time or how we can potentially respond faster with lower cost solutions. But there's been a lot of talk kind of more holistically at a national level around national digital twins, integrated networks, uh, integrated system of systems so that we can provide a more seamless passenger experience. And these things can be very simple examples um, or, or simple things like providing them with up-to-date information, providing them with information about delays and disruptions. Currently, there's a lot of siloed, disconnected means of providing that information to the end user. But as we move towards this uh, integrated network, whether that's the rail network, whether it's road network, how can we provide a more user-friendly, intuitive way of providing the passengers and the end users with the information they need? How can we provide passengers with self-service capabilities like contactless experience uh, using QR codes like the ones we see in airports? Um, how can we provide them with real-time service tracking? Is there a way that we can uh, utilize biometrics tech? Uh, we can use technology to automate seat reservations, use 3D and immersive tech to enhance wayfinding and help passengers navigate through stations or to be able to visually see their end-to-end -end journey on the 3D map. And we've had a number of innovation projects that have focused on different aspects to try and kind of bring to life the, well, A, the cost of actual implementation of tech, but also the reality, the reality of how is this going to be received by the end users and is there value in HS2 investing in even more disruptive technologies and actually the feedback so far has been very positive it's been well received by by the public so the aspiration is there our end state colleagues are very much keen to implement digital railways whether it's kind of corporate systems whether it's operational technology and the merge of IT and OT in creating those digital twins and creating these cyber physical systems. But I think the reality is this has never been done at such scale. And how are we going to integrate not, not only the systems and the assets for HS2, but also integrating with the wider network, such as Network Rail and some of the interfacing networks and asset owners and operators. So it's an interesting challenge, but certainly there's been a lot of focus on passenger experience as well as some of the use cases during design and construction. So has there been a customer experience team driving that within HS2, is there? Yes, there, there is. So we do have a dedicated team working with our infrastructure management team. But yeah, I think it, when it comes to digitization and the, the use of digital twins, the focus has been largely around design and construction. But nonetheless, there is a lot of emphasis around passenger experience. And yes, we do have a team certainly focusing and, and working with the public and um understanding the different scenarios and and how we can make better use of technology to improve passenger experience yeah that's great to hear that that more that customer lens approach we hear a lot around digital twin use cases around that capital delivery and opex so that's the, that, that's great to hear so keeping on the 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 people front sonia how are we going to get the necessary skills people trained up and the right level of capabilities to deliver on these new ways of working and um, very difficult scenario where we've got universities training up the next generation of people but by the time that curriculum's created technology's moved on for me and i like to in my mind there are almost two groups of people or two groups of competencies that we are ultimately going to need to make best use of tech and, and push the industry forward i think the first group we've already touched on it as we were discussing earlier is 
the visionaries, you know, those who are strategic thinkers, who are more creative and have a more flexible mindset, who can innovate and seek improvements and really challenge the status quo and push the industry forward and make things happen and bring those visions and ideas to life. And that's a completely different skill set. And it's it's very rare that you find people who are who can think outside the box to be able to join the dots and see the bigger picture, this holistic picture of how can digital really add value and to be able to articulate those benefits and such like. And then you have the technical experts, you know, people who are understand how tech works, they know how to implement it, they know how to connect things up to give us that seamless integrated network. Of course, you need both groups, but you need them embedded at the client level for me to be able to really drive these changes. And you're right, I think there's been a lot of emphasis put on technology or very specific niche disciplines, but it, it's almost too late. We start. We need to start addressing this at schools, at universities, so that certainly the first group, people who, who need to be more strategic, learn and understand the business skills as well as the as well as the technical skills and also helping and supporting our supply chain i feel there's i mean certainly in my previous role we put a lot of emphasis around upskilling we had a dedicated upskilling platform we invested heavily in training and awareness raising but i feel like we we're at a bit of a turning point now we need to scale that up so that the focus or the emphasis isn't just around the use of BIM or digital engineering or um, kind of computational design. We need to really expand the expertise and the knowledge around the wider use of digital and data. So whose role is that then, do you think, Sonia? Is that down to big delivery agencies like yourselves? Is it around, does the private sector need to get its act in order to, to, to help up provide that uplift? Is it a mixture of government, academia and private working together? But who's, who's best placed to sort of provide that uplift in, in, in capability, especially in data, as we move to more, to more of a data-driven approach? King, to get your thoughts on how, how can we lift that, do you think? Certainly the latter. So there needs to be a push from policy setters, central government, but equally there needs to be a bit of a pull from the supply chain and the private sector. With my kind of HS2 hat on, this has got to be driven by the client, ultimately, especially on large scale programs. It's very difficult for people to focus on upskilling and training when the cost pressures and pressures around schedule and delivering on time kicks in. So unless this is driven and it's got momentum and support by the client, it's very unlikely that will happen. But kind of more broadly speaking, it's got to be a, a collaborative joint effort between government, academia, and industry. And I've seen some good work through certainly previously through CDBB and kind of more broadly now around UKRI and Bayes focusing on the skills gap and developing competency frameworks. So identifying and defining clear um, skills and competencies that the future industry is going to need. We can't implement that and it, we can't make it reality unless you've got that drive and that push from central government. Yes, it is difficult and we, we face it a lot. There's a lot of technical capability within the sector, but there's a lack of strategic capability. And that's a real risk if you want to be driving things forward in terms of how do you drive things forward if there's a, there's a, there's a skills gap within that, that, that space. Is that something you're 
you're seeing in the UK as well at the moment, Sonia? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me that uh, that leadership is quite important and having people who are strategic enough to be able to see the bigger picture and to be able to unite people and reconnect everybody to, to the North Star to say this is ultimately what we are aiming for. It is a fundamental skill. And yeah, I, I think I've seen lots of good technical people, but there is for me certainly a gap around those strategic capabilities, certainly in the um, rail sector. And in relation to standards, we can't have a, a discussion within this space without talking about standards. Is there a, a push within the sector for more standards in, in this space? The FLEX standard that was, was released under CDBB was, was issued as a, an agile standard. Is that something that's seen as, as more standards are required in this space to, to help build capacity and capability? To be honest, I've been a bit removed from the wider industry-led or government-led initiatives, certainly since I joined IT in, in my new role. So I've been fairly removed from a lot of the recent discussions. But yes, the impression I'm getting, there is a lot of push and emphasis still on standardization, especially when it comes to data, a lot of emphasis on connectivity, interoperability, decoupling data from technology and making sure that we are agnostic, which all it's all good and it all makes perfect sense and it's the sense it's a sensible thing to do as we move towards national digital twins you know system of systems kind of more holistic decentralization of technology having said that the reality is unless these standards are mandated every organization is going to take these standards and translate them into what it means or what it would mean for them in the context of their own organization so standards are only as useful as if they are enforced and, and mandated otherwise they become more like guidance. And I think our technology providers have got a big role to play in this as well. We're still seeing or facing same, the same challenges we were facing a few years ago, especially when it comes to very specialist engineering or design authoring applications. They're still very, there's this mentality of vendor locking. It's very difficult to, to be open and use open standards to be able to exchange information. So if you're still having quite practical issues around information sharing and information exchange, then I think we certainly have a long way to go. Standardization does help, um, but again, we need to be about, we need to be pragmatic about how we go about implementing it. Fast forwarding now to your thinking about to next year, what's the, the biggest thing that excites you for, for next year within the sector? The biggest thing that excites me about the future of the sector, I think that certainly the expectations and the rise in the use of technology. So certainly in my current role, current role, we are preparing for bringing people back into the offices. So future of work is a is a big one. Um, certainly for us in HS two, and I'm quite excited by the prospect and by the opportunities that technology can bring to our employees experience not just in a sense of bringing people back into the offices but also exploring the art of the possible what else can we can we do with technology how can we bring the design and construction aspect of our program more to life so again use of immersive technology use of uh, digital twin labs control room type of um, capabilities to not only to improve employee experience, but also to improve 
design integration and uh, construction sequencing and all of these other uh, really good use cases that historically we've either done them in complete isolation or we've used traditional methods to be able to undertake those activities. Whereas for us, the next 12 to 18 months is very much around how do we upgrade technology and how do we improve that end-to-end -end experience for different types, I guess, different types of roles. So that role-based user journey and, and scenarios that we can bring to life a bit more uh, using tech. In terms of the wider sector, I'm very keen to see what I would like to see more from uh, the National Digital Twin Programme and the GBR and, and the merge of two, because I think the underlying principles around smart infrastructure, intelligent connected infrastructure and the National Digital Twins are, are very, very similar, if not the same. Um, and it'd be good to see the two kind of initiatives merge a bit more. Uh, there's definitely a lot more interest and appetite for better use of tech, but I would like to see a lot of the, the thinking come to come to life now. So having a, a unified strategy or a vision around what that would look like for the UK, certainly for the rail sector, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, what, it's quite exciting for me. No, brilliant. Well, look, it'd be great to get you on next year, towards the end of next year, and hear all about that in terms of uh, how, how that's gone. I can see behind in the window that it's just starting to get light. So with that, thank you so much, Sonia, for uh, giving up your precious time to, to come and talk to us today. I'm sure the listeners will love hearing about your journey. And yeah, thank you again. And we'll, we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you for having me, Gavin. Well, we hope you liked this episode of the Digital Built Australia podcast. Remember, if you're not subscribing, you can do so. Head to your favourite podcast platform. Or you can also go to our website, www.digitalbuiltaustralia.com.